1: Over the course of the past couple of days, we have taken a look at David and the honor of the forgiveness of sins. As we continue our look at this forgiveness of sins issue, we find ourselves in Job chapter 33 today, verses... 14 through 30, understanding that it should be our desire for all men to know that forgiveness of sins, the desire that they receive for the forgiveness of sins, and the discerning of its mysterious work. It's all straight ahead on today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Stan From Grace Bible Church in Hayward, here's Pastor Jesse. If
2: you will, turn back in your Bibles to the book of Job, chapter 33, if you will. Job 33. We've been dealing with the topic of forgiveness, and we are seeking to honor that whole idea of what it means to be forgiven of our sins. And I am taking you through an exercise over the next three or four weeks by which we will study and investigate deeply the forgiveness of God to us. Our goal is for us to know what it means To understand its deep and profound significance. To embrace the truth of the forgiveness of sins so you can walk in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. When you and I are not clear on our forgiveness, you and I vacillate as a consequence of all kind of stuff that goes on in our life. But when we understand that God, for those who trust him and call on him has lifted up our sins and has taken them to himself and has carried them away to our justification for all eternity, casting them into the sea of what? Forgetfulness. And then we realize that God is covering us daily by the blood and righteousness of Christ so that daily you and I can walk with God no matter what's going on and we can handle every misstep, every trouble, every trial because he continues to cover and overwhelm our sins by the blood of Christ. The believer then has no excuse not to draw near to God as God draws near to him. You see, you have been forgiven in order that you might have a relationship with God that never changes, only abounds and grows and brings you into the perfection for which Christ called you. Like one of our pastor brothers put it, you guys are new if you're born again, but you're not perfect, only in Christ. So we are going through what? Process. And it's good to know that we have a God who delights in mercy who delights to deal with our sins graciously, as Psalm 103 puts it, he hath not dealt with us according to our iniquities. But as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. The gift of God granted to every believer by which he is graciously kept in a vital relationship with God is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness through Jesus Christ, who is our total care package. You guys remember me talking about that as we were dealing with John's gospel, chapter 10, Christ is the good what? Shepherd. He possesses for us a total care package. That means he's going to get us all the way to glory. He's going to use the resources of his grace and his power to lead his sheep to glory. And one of the premier faculties of Christ's work in your life is to see to it that your interaction with him is based on the forgiveness of sins. What we don't want to do with forgiveness is presume upon it. What we don't want to do with forgiveness is neglect it. We don't want to distort its doctrine or deny its efficacy or the source of forgiveness because forgiveness is about Not simply letting you do what you want to do, but giving you the necessary grace by which you can stay in fellowship with a holy God while you and I are still sinful people. Forgiveness is powerful. The man or the woman that knows they are forgiven can triumph over every problem they go through. And thus, I would compel you to go deeply with God around this concept and join us for the next three weeks. Today, however, I want to say something about it that's going to draw us to another thought. You and I have something in common with the unsaved person, the person who still does not know Christ. Do you know what that is? We have what they need. We have what they need. And what we have is the forgiveness of sins. And they need it. So when you and I are possessed by the grace of God, those things that God has given to us, and we know we have loved ones that don't know the Lord, don't we want them to have what we have? So here's what I want you to do with me for this hour. Stay with me now. I want you to think your job is to be evangelical about forgiveness Your job is to want others to know the power and latitude and grace and fullness and prevailing work of forgiveness in their life as you know it, don't you? And so here's what I want us to do today. I want us to think through two things. Here are the two imperatives. Here are the two sort of mandates I want to put on your head today. I want you to desire that men know the forgiveness of God. That's our first point, desire that men know the forgiveness of God. That's point number one, and it's given to us from the compelling words of our Lord Jesus in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, verse 47, where he told the disciples, go into all the world and preach repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, the word remission is the same as the word forgiveness. Tell men and women, there is forgiveness with God that they might be saved. It is an evangelical mandate that we let people know God alone forgives. God alone can forgive, and God alone has forgiven sinners in the person of who? Jesus Christ. This is why in Luke's gospel, chapter 23, around verse 37, chapter 23, verse 34, rather, we see this man hanging on the cross. What's his name? Jesus, who is the redemption price for our sins. Is he not? We learned that last week, right? Forgiveness is not God just letting you go. Forgiveness is God paying a great price for your soul. The price is described in a person... That's hanging, Luke 23, please, hanging on the cross. And while he's hanging on the cross, the first words that come out of his mouth, out of the seven, do y'all know what it is? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first of the seven words is about what? Forgiveness. And didn't you know what happened? One of the thieves on the right side heard the master say, there's forgiveness with God. He said, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, will you remember me? You know what Christ said? Today. See, God delights in what? Showing mercy. Do you believe it? God delights in showing mercy to sinners. And so I want us to ask God to give us a compelling desire that others who don't know Christ might receive the forgiveness of sins. Now, two sub points that are necessary for that. For you and I to be sincere about others knowing the forgiveness of God, you and I have to make our calling and election sure. Look at that first sub point. Affirming it where? In ourselves. How are you going to talk to somebody about freedom from sin, liberty from sin, liberty from the curse of sin, liberty from the power and penalty, not the presence, but the power and penalty of that which you yourself are not freed from. Right? So I want you to think through, if I'm going to desire for others, let me walk in that liberty where with what? Christ has made me free. Let me make my calling and election what? Let me secure the reality that the blood-bought price for which I get to walk around as a child of God today is really mine. So I'm not selling people something I don't have. The other point that I want you to grasp is sub-point B, honoring it by our what? Right, so when people want to listen to you sincerely, they first watch whether or not you believe what you say. And then secondly, they watch to see whether or not you live that thing out. And they have a right to. When you're talking about eternal verities, you're telling people about heaven and hell and God and things that are transcendent. If they sense that you don't believe it, they have no reason to buy what you sell. God help us to love, adore, go deep, understand, profoundly receive, walk in, study, get our PhD in the forgiveness of sins so that it transforms our life and makes us compelling believers to others. The verse I want you to see is Psalm 51, verse 13. Now, Psalm 51 is the other penitent of ver- a uh, uh, psalm for David, right? Where God said in, in, in that psalm to, to David, uh, or David said rather to God, um, God against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And God said in verse 6, he will make you to know truth from the inward part When you and I are honest about our sin, that's the other thing that we'll be talking about down the line. Behold, you desire truth, right? Where? In the heart. And in the hidden part, you shall make me to know what? Right. And then he says in verse 13, God, when you have forgiven me, when you have cleansed me, when you have washed me with hyssop, when you have restored me, then will I what? Teach transgressors your ways. Here's something I want you to get. The reason why you have to understand forgiveness of sins is because if you don't understand that forgiveness of sins is the mechanism, the process, the means by which God deals with us, you can't teach anybody else. You can't teach anybody else what it means to be a forgiven sinner until you have felt your sin, even as a child of God and been recovered by God's grace, and out of thankfulness, let men know God has the key to let you go. God can let you go. He can free you, but you have to be persuaded yourself. See what we have in common with unsaved sinners? Are you ready? We're both sinners. What we have in common with unsaved sinners is we're both sinners. I'm just a free sinner. He's not, she's not, and I want them to know the freedom that's in Christ, and that key comes through a knowledge of forgiveness of sins. And so under our first point, I want you to desire that they receive the forgiveness of sins. Secondly, I want you to discern its mysterious working. Now, this is going to move us into our study today. Put your thinking caps on because I want you to press in with me. It's one thing to desire that people know the forgiveness of sins. It's another thing for you to have the ability to discern when God is beginning a work of grace in their life. You want to know how God works to bring a man or a woman to Christ. You want to walk with God in such a way that God shows you his method of dealing with sinners. We pray and we pray and we pray for our loved ones, don't we? We pray for our friends, don't we? We pray for our enemies on a good day. Isn't that right? On a good day, right? And we're hoping that God does a work of grace. Now, God is calling us to something that I'm going to talk about next week, and that's called waiting. Because we don't wait easy. But when God's going to answer your prayer, he's going to answer it in a way by which you know he's sovereign. In other words, God is not your bellhop. He doesn't jump when you want him to jump. Now, now, don't we have trouble with God on that level? Because we want folks saved as soon as we pray. But God will wait a week, he'll wait a month, he'll wait wait a year, he'll wait 10 years, he'll wait 20 years, he'll wait 30 years, he'll wait 40 years, he'll wait till you're dead. Because salvation is of the Lord, and it's not about you. He wants you to pray it through. He wants you to love people till you die on your deathbed, praying that God saves your loved one. Now, watch this. I want to show you something about the mysterious work, and then I'm going to press through the book of Job and show you 10 steps to the forgiveness of sins. Here, under this point, discern his mysterious workings. We have two case scenarios, one in the Gospel of Mark. You know it. Pull up Mark 2, 5, where there was a lame man, fully lame, for which four other men brought him on a hammock, tore up the roof, and dropped him down in the middle of a Bible study. Y'all remember that? Toe up the roof, dropped him down in the middle of the Bible, shingles falling all off the roof while Christ is preaching, and that brother coming down, coming down. Remember that? And everybody expected the master to simply heal him. You know what the text said? When he looked upon that man who was sick of the palsy? here's what it says. When Jesus saw what? Their faith, not his faith. Here's what he says. He said unto the sick of the palsy, son, which is a great term of endearment, which means he was one of God's elect. Stay with me now. I'm going to teach you something here. Get this. Son, your sins are forgiven. Right. Now, we know that Christ is a healer, right? He is the great physician, is he not? But he is first a theologian, And what that means is he cares about your soul more than he cares about your body. This is why we don't go around prostituting healing, because the real healing is the soul. Here is this brother hanging, you know, between heaven and earth on the labors of other men, and he is completely unable to help himself. Completely unable to help himself. The master says this is a great time to show people how folks get saved. Point number one, salvation only comes to the sinner who is totally helpless in himself, who cannot come to God on his own, who cannot make it to the throne of grace on his own, who have to have people who pray for him and bring him to the throne of grace that God might have mercy. In other words, the forgiven sinner will acknowledge by the time we're done, we're hoping you will too, that God and God alone saved me all by himself. I had no strength. I had no power. I had no ability. I was totally dependent upon others and Christ had mercy on me. In other words, if you know something about the forgiveness of sins, you know you were sick with the palsy as well. You know you had no spiritual strength whatsoever. You were what? Dead. Were you dead? Dead. And God had mercy on you. Those four brothers represent men who love forgiveness and want others to have it. They represent the true church that's preaching the true gospel, bringing people to the real Christ. Y'all got that? To the real Christ. That's the first, first one. And here's the thing I want you to get. He personally told that man he was forgiven. Do you understand how powerful that is? Men and women struggle even after coming to Christ, believing that they are forgiven. Don't you want Jesus to say to you, your sins are forgiven? That boy was highly privileged, wasn't he? Here's the next one. It's in Mark's gospel as well. Um, chapter 7, where we have the second account of this, where actually it's Luke's gospel, chapter 7, verse 37, and you guys know it. It's the woman who broke in on an all-male dinner. Now, you know, you don't, as a sister in the Middle East, you don't break in on an all-male dinner fellowship with the high-ranking leaders in the house. All the way down to the Lord Jesus. That's just to kick that dough in. She went in and Christ was in the middle of the dinner. And she started loving on Christ from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Y'all remember that? Don't have time to unpack that. But all the brothers was really wondering what in the heck is going on here. It was another opportunity to teach the disciples what happens when a person is really saved. See, when you're really saved, Jesus means everything to you. Jesus is all the world to me. You get it? That's what she had become. He had become to her. And she poured on him worship as the center of her affection and her desire, even contrary to the cultural norms. You know what Christ did for her? He publicly acknowledged her forgiveness of sins. You see it? Behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him, what? See, this is how you know, this is how you know, and began to wash his feet with tears, wiped them with the hairs of her head, kissed his feet, and anointed them with oil, verse 39. Now, when the Pharisees, which had bidden her, saw it, he spake within himself, the householder, this man, if he were a prophet, that is Jesus, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a what? He totally missed the message. Like church folk do today. It wasn't about her. It was about Christ. But that's what religious people who are not anchored in the revelation of God's glory do. They missed the point. Rubbernecking. Didn't I tell y'all, stop rubbernecking? Y'all gonna run into somebody rubbernecking? That's how you clog up the freeway. Verse 40. Jesus answering unto Simon said, I have somewhat to say unto you. He said, Master, say on verse 41. I'll work through it. There was a certain crowd. Ah, you know what? Stopping right there. There is a verse, verse number 48. Here it is, verse 48. Notice what he said publicly to everyone in there about her. He said unto her, Just like he said to the lame man. Do you see it? You see what he says to her? Your sins are forgiven. Please get this. God said that to her. See, when you get it from God, you're good to go. Right? Because the world may tell you you're not forgiven. Your own conscience will tell you you're not forgiven. You know how when you tear it up, I don't think I'm forgiven. But you've got to be mighty bold to deny, undo what God said to you in the forgiveness of your sins. Now, he does that to liberate you so that you can continue walking with God. Can we go to work now? Because what we have just done is seen two examples where Christ was evangelical about forgiveness. He let everyone know forgiveness is the grounds upon which these two people have a relationship with me. Do you know God that way? Turn in your Bible to the book of Job. Set it on your lap because we are about to work through some 10 verses around this proposition. Discerning the mysterious workings of forgiveness when it occurs in people's lives. I have observed, and maybe you have as well, that when we really take Salvation seriously. We want it to occur in people's lives, and sometimes we're looking for evidences, are we not? And I have also observed that a lot of times, if we don't understand how, God's wor- how God works, we get in God's way. I want you to learn today not to get in God's way when He's working to save somebody. Discerning His work is, a, is what I want you to get. Discern it. I'm going to show you now 10 steps to the forgiveness of sins. Ten steps. I want you to hear me now. Ten steps to the forgiveness of sins. Three steps will go down. Because the way up is what? Three steps will go down. Seven steps will go up. We're going to walk through this like a Bible study. And I want to show you how the Holy Ghost draws men and women. Breaks them down. Reveals Christ to them and brings them into a saving knowledge of God, which is what we want for everyone that we love and care about. Is that right? God help me not to get in the way of your mysterious work. All right, let me set a context right quick. I've got 45 minutes. I think I can get it done. Here's the context. There are five brothers sitting around, uh, probably drinking tea, I don't know what they did in the days before Abraham. They probably wasn't drinking coffee, probably smoking on those big pipes. They were uh, Arabic. You know those pipes they smoke on? What do you call them? Kukas. I don't smoke it, so I don't know. <laughs> they probably sitting around smoking on the pipes and talking. But these five brothers are unique because they're not talking football. They're not talking business. They're not talking shallow things. They're not talking a lot of the empty, vain, vacuous, ethereal stuff you hear men talk about today. But what you have going on right here is a protracted conversation that starts at chapter 3. And we are now 30 chapters in where five brothers are sitting around talking about how God works as they deal with Job's suffering. The brother talking to us today is the last one to speak before God ultimately speaks.
1: Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m., for this Bible study, you're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. If you're trying to tom-tom us or uh, Google us for the map, you can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, five ten eight eight six. 9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782 or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica
2: Stan
0: say we love Jesus